record. Welcome to WrestleWolf. This is AEW Weekly. I am Dr. Damien Gibson and joining me as always is the man who only deals in kayfabe. It's Matthew Kayfabe. Hey man, how are you going? I'm good. I'm good, my friend. Uh, it's very warm in Melbourne, um, which seems to make everybody else happy. So um, I'm just going to leave it at that. And for the for the first time in six months, we're not living in Australia's coronavirus hotspot. Yeah, yeah. Like it sucks. Sucks to, sucks to be in Adelaide right now, but anyway, it did beforehand as well. Um, Let's not sink the boots in while they're you know. <laughs> we have listeners in South Australia. I don't want to. South Australia is wrong. South Australia is the America of uh, of Australia. Um, I don't no. know. I'm just trying to alienate as many of our listeners Can as possible. You stop it. it! We all know that's Queensland. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Cool. Well, now that we've got rid of two states worth of listeners that are actually number one and two uh, on uh, the, <laughs> where all of our listeners come from <laughs> within Australia, let's move on to America. Do we want to slag off uh, Americans while we're here? That's usually a weekly occurrence. In some shape or form, or should we wait? Until- I mean, we'll we'll wait until the the vote is uh, the the presidential election is formally ratified before saying anything. <laughs> I think we all just need to hold our breath. Um, should we just get into it? I don't see why not. Uh, so this first match uh, was a young tag team. Um, you know how they were young? Because their uh, ages were mentioned about 117 times throughout the match. Top Flight, uh, and I couldn't stop singing the old uh, Top top Cat theme in my head every time they said Top Flight. Uh, top Flight. You didn't watch Hanna-Barbera cartoons in the late 70s, early 80s? No, I was, I was not alive then. Oh, yeah, I forget about that. I forget everyone's younger than me. Versus so, the Young Bucks. Can I just... I mentioned during the week that I wanted to talk about something in regards to AEW and AEW Dark. And it actually... Top Flight being in this match is kind of a part of that. So I watched Dark... A uh, couple of nights ago, I watched Dark from a week ago, if everyone can keep up. And... Um, <laughs> the show went for about an hour and a half and, and I was doing other things so I didn't have the sound on but there were basically about seven tag team matches which is fine, I love tag team wrestling but besides these guys who were like in the in the main event um, and even Top Flight a little bit but I don't want to be too harsh on them because they're so young and new but every single tag team that came out I was like, who are you? What are your characteristics? Why do I care about you? It was it was something that like it's something that I've noticed like I noticed in the in WWE for years, especially in, in NXT. Where there's sim- but I don't really care about WWE because I don't watch them anymore and this is an AEW podcast and I actually care about AEW. What I don't understand is why there is a huge amount of people on the roster. I know they have tiered contracts, but all of these guys have some sort of contract. And they just keep pumping these guys out onto dark week after week and nobody cares about these wrestlers that just don't give me anything. It's just like, 
you know, and you can throw people like Brandon Cutler in there as well. The, the, the gun club, like who, like, I'm going to be really harsh towards one particular wrestler and I'll probably cop flack for it, but it's like, it's like a whole show filled up by Cedric Alexander's. It's like super athletic, uh, you know, looks good in a pair of tights and then what who are you like what's your character i don't what like are you a heel or a face like what what what's your backstory is there any story whatsoever like and yes i'm going to bring this around to warhorse and danhausen only because aew had the chance to sort like take a chance on a couple of guys who actually whether you like their character or not have characters and i know that like the automatic argument especially for warhorse is like well you know it's a cross between like ultimate warrior and like road animal and blah blah blah. it's like yeah but there's a twist on it and at least there's some originality there and danhausen what the hell is danhausen like that's (laughs) that's completely original you can't if nothing else you can at least give him points for originality and I know Dan Housen signed with Ring of Honor now, and it's most likely the Warhorse will as well, and that's fine. But I just don't understand why AEW didn't take the chance on, you know, take a chance on a couple of oddballs who I think would have caught fire if they were actually given the opportunity, rather than when I go and watch Dark, just see Cedric Alexander versus Cedric Alexander, you know. And then you just have the commentators constantly talk about how great athletes they are, and it's like, but this is a story-driven business, guys. You know, if there's no, if the character doesn't have any agency, then there's no story. And why is anyone interested? Anyway, that was my little rant that I wanted to get. <laughs> I think there's a legitimate answer to this, right? Like, I think the the fact is, like, yes, they should be doing better and using dark. And like, I noticed, I think this week's dark had um. Britt Baker had an interview segment, uh, which was great. Um, But they should be doing a bit more personality work on there instead of just packing on 10 uh, just random out-of-the-blue wrestling for wrestling's sake indie cards, essentially. Um, But they were going to have a second show and coronavirus sort of nixed that. Um, So I think that there's that part of the, the, the... having all these people on the roster sort of randomly. Like, you've got to have people at the bottom of the card and the top of the card. You've got to have people to come out and lose, um, but don't you which want is them fine. to be interesting? <laughs> like, like, I know I I'm mean, probably... I'm kind of in a bad mood, so maybe I'm being grumpy about this, but I just, you know... Look, I, I think like... with Warhorse and Danhausen, I think there's an obvious... I think Danhausen pretty clearly was gunning to be signed by Ring of Honor. And it would be shocking if Warhorse hadn't made, hadn't been offered something from AEW and decided, you know, maybe I'm going to go build my name for another year and come back as a massive star. Like the guy's been on Dynamite, had a competitive match, been made out to be a big deal. Uh, is is you know one of the biggest names on the indie scene. Uh, it's it would be shocking if he hadn't made that decision himself. Yeah, uh, I just my 
I do have one other point with this as well. Uh, I just, you, if you're in the States, no, I'm not sure how you get TNT, to be honest. I think it's on basic cable. But if you're anywhere else in the world, if you want to watch Dynamite, you've got to pay for it. And it's very reasonable. I don't have any problems with that. Like, it's not, you know. But my thing at the moment is when you look at ratings of all shows, and this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm not getting involved in a WWE versus AEW thing with this argument. I'm just saying all shows. Not many people are watching wrestling. Raw's doing 1.7. Uh, Dynamite's doing anywhere between 0.7 and 0.9. NXT's doing 0.5, sometimes 0.4. SmackDown will vary anywhere between 1.5 and 2. And that's not that's not a lot. I mean, I know that's only in the States. And a way to get people's eyeballs on the product is by having a free product on YouTube, which I think is fantastic. But when you just stack it filled with, you know, when you stack Dark with that kind of a card, you're not doing yourself or wrestling any favors. I don't think anyone's watching those matches and going, oh, cool. Can't wait to see a whole bunch of... Cedric Alexander's. Mm. I should I should point out at who's another wrestler that's like Cedric Alexander. <sighs> like athletic, but boring. Timothy Thatcher. I don't know. There's there's plenty of <laughs> yeah, well, like, Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, okay. There's, Timothy Thatcher's another. There's plenty of good technicians that have no personality. I think I think there is. A little bit of indie guys getting a payday through dark at the moment and like dark used to be like 30 minutes and now it's an hour and a half and it's just you know just match after match after match and no story um i think it's just them getting their friends a payday during coronavirus while they can't go out and work you know bingo halls like that's what i hope um yeah. otherwise you're completely right and it's grim yeah, I just, um, yeah, it was just shit. I was like, I, I really want to talk about this on the podcast because yeah. it's like there's so many there's so many things about it that aren't great. I mean, the presentation's not great. You had these other guys that you could have signed. I don't know, maybe someone from AEW can come back and be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I welcome that. That'd be great. But I'm just saying like from the outside, like there are all of these other guys. Who is the dude that... Um, the big guy that Chris Jericho got in for a bit, who was there for like two weeks, and then I think he's gone to TNA. He was like a big Islander guy. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, I can't think of it. But anyway, I mean, there's been people who sort of come in and come out. And anyway. I think just... I agree. I think you can definitely say you have two opinions that are bipartisan on this show. The first is that uh, AEW need to work on lower card character development to make you care about them instead of just throwing them into a match having you go oh shit who are these guys and then they're private party and they're not on tv for six months and why would you give a shit about them or whoever mm. and i think your second opinion is that mick hucknall was the best singer for for the faces <laughs> um, which is fine and that's on the record now so let's move on <laughs> Anyway, uh, these guys were really building up top flight. Uh, all I could think of the whole time was like, this should have been Warhorse and Danhausen. And um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll drop that. The, the, these top guys, flight were good. Yeah, they're good. Like it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a good 
indie tag team wrestling match. And I mean that I'm not, mm. that's not an insult in the sense of like lots of flips, lots of super kicks. Um, you know, I mean, they're wrestling the young bucks, but I would, and I, I expect that you probably, you know, top flight obviously have, uh, a very good in ring, but even their promo package, like it just fed into my anger after watching that dark episode of like, we're brothers and we love wrestling and we love the young bucks. And now we're wrestling the young bucks. It's like, that's not a story. That's not. And then it cuts to JR and Tony and they're like, what a story. These young men just sending out a message to the young bucks and blah, 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 blah. It's like, I but you got to remember like, you know, why we're watching isn't there a leprechaun <laughs> riding a dragon. That's, that's a fair point. Um, but, you know, we're watching 1995 WCW and podcasting about that. And when we go to the WWF shows, like, it's just constantly every jobber is Matt or Jeff Hardy. Eventually, they turn out to be someone. Yeah. And, I've, yeah, look, Top Flight are getting caught in the crossfire of my longing for Danhausen and, and Warhorse. So I'm going to drop it. They do uh, have the young- name of a golf ball, though. They do. They do. They were the thing that I find interesting that uh, up until they've signed with AEW, they've been wrestling in masks, um, but dropped the mask for AEW. So obviously Eric Bischoff's had a had a word in their ear. I look forward to Penta losing his mask. Well, we don't do that in the United States of America, says Mr. Bischoff. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and let you sledge Eric Bischoff. You can bait me about Bret Hart every week, but then when I have a slight go at Eric Bischoff... It's because Bret Hart is crap at wrestling and Eric Bischoff is the only genius ever to be involved in wrestling. Uh, the Young Bucks win this with... Just completely ignore that. The Young Bucks win with the BTE trigger. Uh, do you think the them yelling BTE trigger is a bit lame? Yeah. Before they do it? Yeah. I do, I'm, I do. I'm I think it's negative tonight. I'm sorry about this. Guys. You are. It's okay. I consider the them yelling that to be as lame as anything Bret Hart ever did. <laughs> <laughs> what about you when he used to get in the ring and do like the the Fonz thing of like, hey, it's me, Bret Hart. God, Bret Hart sucked. He's the greatest wrestler of all time. But the good news is, guys, TH2 uh, featured in a main mm. roster story. Uh, I feel like Matt and I are the only people on earth who actually give a fuck about TH2. Uh, but I was happy to see them kick the shit out of top flight. Uh, welcome to the big leagues, boys. Uh, people Bucks, are going to give a fuck about them. They're too good in ring to not, man. Uh, like, and I like I like them as heels because they've got that like young, arrogant vibe about them where it's just really easy to hate them. All of you idiots listening to this are in for an absolute treat with uh, the hybrid two. Like, you are in for a treat. It's going to be great. Next up is uh, part one of MJF and Chris Jericho's uh, art film Trip Tech, uh, <laughs> The Inner Circle Go to Vegas. Um, I... Look, my opinions do get better as the show goes on. I was kind of nonplussed by all of these vignettes. Um, I yeah, love can... MJF. I love I love Chris Jericho, but going to Vegas and doing hangover jokes was a can... bit lame. 
can we talk to them talk to the to these vignettes as as one thing yeah um i think like seeing conan was cool because i was like hey that's k-dog um everything else i was like they are actually just doing really lame hangover jokes and a slightly iffy in 2020 a midget's a baby joke hmm uh, it that was Hornswoggle, right? Uh, I thought that was um the fellow from I don't know Jackass. was it? Yeah, I thought it was him. I thought it was Wee Man. I oh god, now I, now I sound awful. Anyway, well, I don't moving know. On. If I'm, <laughs> but again, it was one of those things where, and this happens a little bit with AEW with their celebrity. I think they're kind of like ironic celebrity. Uh, cameos because they were obvious I mean the Elvis one is obvious but there are a couple of people in these vignettes where I was like don't know who that is don't know who that is well I was sort of thinking like every time I saw the guy playing Elvis I was like how did they not get Honky Tonk Man like surely it's not that hard he's not busy (laughs) I don't know if Honky Tonk Man's overly well liked yeah but it's still like you know Either's Chris Jericho from in real life, uh, but yeah, these are these. We vignettes. don't like him in real life, but I think everyone else does. <laughs> His vignettes were uh, these vignettes were not great, and I, I was sort of disappointed because I was like, "Yeah, this is a great idea, and they could do something funny." Like I thought, Sammy Guevara being this psycho is like an interesting. The fact that he is actually turning into millennial Patrick Bateman is an interesting, (laughs) like, twitch to his character. Like, he's just, you know, so into social media and stuff. And he's just, you know, like a a guy in 2004 who was, like, a little bit too into Fallout Boy. Yeah. You're like, Fallout Boy's not very good. And he's like, I'll cut you. (laughs) And then I'll cut myself. Yeah, there's there's a lot of self harm vibes about Sammy Guevara at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, I um, the only thing I really liked was Ortiz working out uh, the morning after. Yeah, that was quite funny in a really weird, intense way. It was the only thing that I was like, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Um, Santana making. Uh, some money the night before on cockfighting, I assume it was the that was <laughs> they were like little bits and pieces where like there's always there's always with any inner circle stuff there's always some funny yeah stuff going on but this uh, I'm gonna be public enemy number one after this episode but this felt a bit like BTE level humor and skits yeah you know it was just like oh yeah I get the joke I didn't laugh but I get I get the joke. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, there was no real tension. Like, they all sort of bonded, you know? Like, so from a storytelling point of view, it was like, oh, okay, they're all sort of becoming... Fr-. Like, there was tension at the beginning, and then by the time they got drunk, they were all mates. Hmm. Except for which Psycho is, Sammy. Yeah, which is a concerning message to be sending out on primetime television. But anyway. That's <laughs> uh. <laughs> fine. Uh, next up, we've got John Moxley cutting a promo. Uh, we're the good guys, Matt. I didn't mind this. This was a bit more classic wrestling than the usual mumblecore, you know, John Moxley being like the pavement of professional wrestling. No, because I like pavement. John Moxley being the Alice in Chains of professional wrestling. 
Uh, this was cool. I was into this. He's having a baby. Yeah, That's I good. didn't like it. See, this is this is where things start to get grim. It's like uh, I didn't. I'm sorry. I just it felt again it the this promo and the inner circle promos felt like they had been phoned in. You know, it was like it, this just felt like oh yeah, it's a Moxley profile. It's, it's a Moxley promo, uh, and I I didn't like the we're the good guys bit. It's like, well, your dad's terrifying, but then you're identifying with your dad because we're the good guys. Like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand what you're saying, you weirdo. Congratulations on the baby, though. I hope you and... <laughs> um, oh, my God. I've completely blanked on John's wife's name. Renee Paquette. Renee. That's Paquette. It. Yeah, well, congratulations on the baby. Uh, congratulations on your promo. Somehow we've flipped alignments tonight, and I'm the, uh, I'm the John Moxley fan. I d- yeah, it just felt like John Moxley by numbers. Uh, yeah, at least it's John Moxley by numbers is still more interesting than the first eight months of Dean Ambrose by numbers. No, Dean Ambrose was his best work. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be mean, and I understand that this is recorded. That you're a sack of shit, and I quit the podcast. No, look, anyone who listens to the podcast knows that almost every week I'm like, and John Moxley came out, did a John Moxley profile, a uh, promo, and I loved it. But there was just something about this one where I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just didn't draw me in, which I know isn't great, um, isn't a great review, in-depth review, but it just, that's how I felt. I was like, meh. Well, these things are, I guess, about how you feel. Uh, you're wrong, but it's it's been noted. Didn't make me feel anything, baby. Uh, <laughs> next up, we've got OJ. Uh, OJ. <laughs> That's my shorthand notes. Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian. Uh, Miro is on commentary. Uh, I promise this is pretty much my last negative thing, and then it's all uphill from here. Are you uh, out on Miro? I'm not enjoying him. I'm out on Miro. It's yeah, bad. Uh, it's I'm not, not good. enjoying him at the moment. No, um, I didn't like him on commentary t- in this match. I found him kind of annoying. Um, I don't buy him and Kip Sabian being friends. I also don't know what his character is because if his character is Eastern European fellow who said like speaks sort of you know in, I guess, a bonics and is not engaging or interesting and makes sort of, like, weird gendered slurs constantly about, like, people being weak or how people should get punched in the face. That's not a good character. That's a Guy Ritchie movie character. Like, but not in... It just doesn't work in professional wrestling. Yeah, I just... I don't know how much longer this Kip Sabian... Miro thing can go on for. Uh, I prefer Kip Sabian to Miro at this point, which is shocking. After but at least this match, yeah, hundred percent. At least Kip you. Sabian has good matches and has Penelope Ford. Yeah, I like Miro has to be like, um, he needs to be like a wrecking machine. You know what I mean? Like he needs to be, he needs to be solo. Why does he have friends? It doesn't make any sense. If you're gonna paint him as a heel, he needs to be a guy who 
is just destroying everyone to get to the championship. Why is he fucking around with gaming and Kip Sabian and the best friends? And He's currently 1A in my argument that Vince McMahon is right about every wrestler and that no one can ever get more over than Vince gets them. So, like, pick it the fuck up. Because I don't even like WWE, and I certainly don't like Vince McMahon. So, like, come on. Um, Tony and JR have got to stop calling everyone veterans. They call that Kip was Sabian bizarre. a veteran in this match. Yeah. And, like, you know what it does immediately when I hear it? I think old man. I think, I think of like, Terry fucking, Funk. I think of Terry Funk. That's what- <laughs> Still real to me, damn it. <laughs> That's what I think. It's still real to me, damn it. Okay, sit down, mate. Um, (laughs) but i do i think of fucking you know i'm sorry rick i think of like you know i I think of fucking tna hulk hogan when you call someone a veteran you immediately paint them as being old right they have long hair that's combed back and you can see heaps of their scalp like that's what i'm thinking like they said to they're like you're a veteran to Miro, and he was like, huh, and just sort of moved on. It's like, no one wants to be called a veteran. That's, it's just, it's silly. There's only two fucking veterans in this promotion, and it's you two fuck knuckles. Stop calling everyone veterans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm just being a cunt. I'm just... <laughs> Thanks for undermining my point. It was a perfect point. Well made. Still upset oh, well, about the John Moxley There's thing. Jake the Snake and uh, Taz. You could probably call Taz a veteran as well. You can and, definitely uh, <laughs> call Taz a veteran. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy. Uh, oh, Billy Gunn's probably a veteran. He is. Um, I love how you're agreeing with my impersonation of you. <laughs> this Matthew Kayfabe character is making some good points. Anyway, Cassidy wins this with the mousetrap... Uh, Miro comes down, clotheslines the shit out of OC. Best friends come out for the save. And this story is keeping on, keeping on, which I'm not very happy about at all. It it continues. Orange Cassidy won. That's something, right? Yeah, whatever. Uh, next up, we had a really interesting promo. This was, a, this was the part of the show where uh, things started to pick up for me. I kind of got out of my... My Chemical Romance emo funk and started to enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, Kenny Omega comes out. This, if this is, um, like his introduction was fantastic. I love his new theme music. He's got the Cleaner Girls, which seriously, we need to put JR in some sort of soundproof box whenever a young, attractive girl comes out on the stage because Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, Kenny Omega, uh, looks like a star tonight like he's dressed in a in a really nice suit he's got the sunglasses on he looks he looks like an 80s bad guy he looks like a bad guy from miami vice having the intro being like like john moxley he's been uh pwi best wrestler in the world like john moxley he's been this like john moxley unlike john moxley he's in the, the pwi hall of fame and like all this kind of stuff it's just it's so it was exceptional it was so shitty it's a fantastic example of uh, leaning into the 
strengths of a wrestler. Like I'm not, I'm sure Kenny Omega in real life is a really nice guy. Blah blah. If you've watched BTE, you've seen that he does come across as a nice, funny, goofy kind of guy. But in wrestling, I want him to be like this yes. all the time. Agreed. I don't want to see goofy Japanese culture loving video game playing super nice guy Kenny Omega in fucking brown uh, you know gray gym shorts and a fucking Bonds t-shirt. I want to see like just arrogant as fuck Kenny Omega because <laughs> it's so it's so engaging like he's he's amazing. But I've thought I'd be interested to see what you think like what you thought of this second part of the promo Kenny comes down for the contract signing for his match with John Moxley at uh Dynamite in a couple of weeks time for the for the AEW championship uh we get the old WCW there's something happening in the back uh we cut to the back John Moxley has had the crap beaten out of him he's been knocked out uh there's blood uh on his mouth and nose um they the guys who are out there a couple of referees and doctors call for emergency services and then they cut back to the ring. And what I really liked about this promo was the way that Kenny did this. It wasn't it wasn't the usual maniacal like, oh, what could have happened to yeah. he didn't get John the- Moxley? Like Shivani wasn't like, Well, you you were involved in this and he wasn't like, No, I wasn't. Like it was just like what the hell? Like it was a different way to do a contract signing. Like actually signing the contract and just being like, okay, well I'm going to be there. Hopefully he is too. Playing, yeah, playing it as an inconvenience and like you know, I mean the stuff of like, um, you know, Moxley's obviously too afraid to, you know, seems to be too afraid to come out and face me. Like that's pretty standard. But everything else was I really like. I was like, oh, this is new. I haven't seen this before. This is a different way to do this. Um. Do you think that they'll write like that? It'll be Kenny who had something to do with it. Uh, I mean, my hope is that it will be some masked attacker, and uh, Kenny will win the title, and then the masked attacker will come out, and it'll be I don't know, I don't know, Danhausen, and that'll be John Moxley's next story with his jar of. Oh, Jesus. Can we get someone that is worth being on television? The honky-tonk man? Can we- yeah, I really enjoyed this. And it sort of snapped me back into the show. And um, I really enjoyed the second half of the show. Uh, next up, we have Blade versus Pack. Um, I just want to point this out. We won't talk about it too much. But JR makes a dumb fuck comment about... Uh, actually, there are a couple of things he said on this episode that weren't great. He made a really dumb fuck comment about blended families. Um, to to yeah, <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, Eddie, uh, your faction seems to be quite the blended family. And Eddie was like, uh, yeah, it's twenty twenty. Get over it. <laughs> JR and then sucks. Jr. was like, oh, blah, 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 I wasn't. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, whatever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Eddie smacked him down. Um, Pack wins this with the shooting star press and then the brutalizer. Uh, Pack grabs the microphone, basically about to challenge uh, Eddie. He's attacked by our boy, the Butcher. Uh, Butcher and the Blade hold down Pack as Eddie does some fantastic Eddie threatening work. Yep. Uh, 
And then this is where things were a little bit like, eh, I don't know if I like this. It could be cool. I'm not sure. Uh, Ray Phoenix comes out to the rescue. He sort of starts getting beaten up a little bit. And then Penta comes out with a chair. Is he going to help out the Kingston boys or is he going to help out his death triangle brethren? You'll remember that long, uh, you know, that uh, faction that has, has been such a part of wrestling history for <laughs> such a off. long time. The death triangle. <laughs> you are in <laughs> such a like cranky bro- mood. These guys are like brothers. You know what I mean? We all know that. It's like the four horsemen. And Penta decides to stick with his death. <laughs> With his actual brother. His death triangle, friends. This is cool. This is leading to a series of cool matches where my six favourite wrestlers in AEW wrestle each other and you can get fucked and it's going to be great. That's my my take. Yeah. It may... Look... You said you liked the second half. (laughs) I did. I just don't know if this booking is... Half of me is like, yeah, well, good. The the Lucha Brothers are back together because that was stupid. Don't split them up. Um, but I don't know. I like the Kingston boys. I like Eddie. Uh, I liked Eddie Kingston like having a big group of dudes. So hopefully, you know, I I want him and just, like Eddie Kingston, and just the Butcher and the Blade. I don't know. Like I want. And he's more got than... uh, the bunny. And the bunny, yeah, yeah. I think Eddie That's Kingston true. having a like giant gang leads to members of the gang getting lost. Having Eddie Kingston's gang of three and and the bunny feuding against three other people means that no one's getting lost. Like it's cool. It's gonna be great. Eddie Kingston has not done a sing he has not stepped a foot wrong in AEW. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Well, you know, all these uh, all these superstars come from NWA Power, man. Eddie Kingston, Ricky you, Starks, Thunder Rosa. You didn't even like him in NWA Power. Yep, but I'm claiming. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's Billy Corgan's claim. Yeah, me and Billy are best mates. He's liked some of my tweets. Really? Because I'm one of like twelve people that tweet about NWA. <laughs> maybe I should stop tweeting about Zwan and start tweeting about NWA. Yeah, well, I think at the moment all he cares about is the Smashing Pumpkins. But once they sort of loll down, he 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 gets back into the NWA. Don't even know who they um, are. <laughs> uh, Jade, who is Shaq's girlfriend or friend or manager, anyway, she breaks Brandy Rhodes' arm. I like this little segment. There's a a story for women. Which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. I think this episode was good as far as women go. Um, I agree with that. So we'll yeah, we'll see what happens. Like uh Big Swole got in there and came in for the save. Um it was interesting to see Vicky Guerrero and um oh god, I'm losing names all over the place tonight. Um Vicky Guerrero and uh, Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose helping out uh, Jade. So, yeah, hopefully you can spin a few stories out of that. Yeah. Hopefully none of them involve Brandy Rhodes. But even if that means women get more of a go on the show, I'm for it. You know what I mean? Like She can hold herself a little bit in ring. So if it means that other women get brought into 
getting prime time airtime, then fine. If that's what it takes, you suck. Fine. Up. Yeah, but as, as long as I don't see QT Marshall out there, I'm fine. <laughs> all <laughs> that's right. That's all I ask. <laughs> what, ha- I ask. what happened next? Well, the reason why I want to see more women's wrestling is because of the next match. We had Thunder Rosa versus Serena D for the NWA Women's Championship match. And this was a fantastic match. This is my favorite match. Yeah, this was on sick. the on the show. Uh, both of these both of these women are fantastic in ring. They told a great story from bell to bell. Uh, Brit and Rebel were involved as well, which is fantastic. They interfered, uh, almost cost Thunder the champion uh, Thunder Rosa the championship initially, uh, but she managed to fight on like the little champ she is. Uh, Serena Deeb did get the win in the end. Uh, but it was just a great match. Uh, Thunder Rosa then gets out of the ring. <laughs> and I love how Britt Baker had run off to the backstage area and then come back around, <laughs> standing in like the the villains, like the rogues gallery, <laughs> like a great. child. Like what? What? Like everyone had seen her. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Clobber the crap out of Thunder Rosa, and then just stick herself there, like like she'd put a lampshade on her head. Like, <laughs> is this now the number one feud in AEW? Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. I love it. It's gonna be incredible. I, I, I loved it. I loved how Thunder Rosa told a story with the because usually this sort of brawling after the match, I'm a bit like, uh, okay, all right, wind it up. But I believed this. I believed Thunder Rosa when she was angry. Uh, Britt, ba- Britt Baker is so petulant and awful mm. all the time. So, like, for her to be like, why is she hitting me? I don't understand. Get her off me. It's <laughs> <laughs> just great. Um, and, yeah, like, if you can't... AEW, if you can't do this women's angle right, then there's something seriously wrong with the way that you are booking. I, I have tried to defend you. <laughs> The whole time the dynamite's been on air, please just make this a top feud for the next, I don't know, month and a half. This two is months. this is your opportunity to have the women main event a pay per view. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Uh, I loved it. I loved everything about it. If I was still only at you know seventy five percent of my love for AW, it had gone way back up to a hundred percent after this match. Um. Yeah, loved it. And I think I have like a slight crush on Thunder Rosa. Oh, that's healthy. Is that problem? No, you should you should you should follow that to its logical conclusion. <laughs> no, it's like it's fun to have crushes on famous people. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't help it if you're attracted to someone. I, I mean, you know, as long as you don't end up getting shot outside like a training facility, that's good. <laughs> She's not Nick Aldis, man. Um, <laughs> That's right. Nick Aldis, watch your back. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Nick. I love you. Um, next up, uh, and this I loved as well. We had John Silver and Anna Jay from The Dark Order cutting a promo. This they was had great. asked for some time. You know what I loved about that? This is the first time in ages that JR's done an old school thing that I'm like, I love this, where he's like, John Silver and Anna Jay have asked for some time brilliant it actually explains why we're seeing him on tv you know like they've asked for a couple of minutes to talk it was love that it was great john silver is exactly what i want to see in a wrestler he's the complete opposite of everything i was talking about with dark 
I sort of, of I sort of just want to see Anna Jay win the title and John Silver just be her manager. Like <laughs> his <laughs> promos are being this tiny, insane, intense Jack dude is a great wrestling character. Like it is a great character. More of this, hundred percent. Lesser Brody also, Lee. Uh, well, it's interesting to see he hasn't been around. Like this is another what four weeks in a row now where he hasn't been boring as on television. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, you said it a couple of weeks ago. He just needs to be um, Bruiser Brody. Yeah. But that that's that's his next character. Intelligent you know, I mean, monster. A slight tweak on it, but yeah, exactly. That's all we need. Um, I, I just want to point out Anna Jay's work in this promo as well. Mm. Of um, like she was really strong in the way that she delivered her lines, but the little <laughs> her body language and the little looks that she gave to John Silver throughout the promo were were great. Of like, I don't like this guy, but I have to put up with him because he's in the Dark Order. Yeah, she was telling a story with her body language as well. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um, ha! Oh, holy shit, man! If there, if there was ever a match for you to to talk about, this is the one. We got Team Taz, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks, and Matthew Kayfabe versus Cody and Darby Allen. Um, are we calling him Cody Rhodes yet? Yeah, I think I still so. Keep writing down Cody. I think he's Cody Rhodes. Um. um before we get into the match, I just want to point out Ricky Starks is really bad at air guitar. I think it's the only thing that he's bad at. <laughs> um, this match, uh, Brian Cage looked like a massive star. Um, he's so good in the ring. Uh, anything with Darby Allen where he doesn't have, like, he's not like, hi, I'm Darby Allen and this is my friend Bam Majira and Brandon D. Camillo and we're going to jump off a cliff. Um, and then, like, they spend seven months kicking each other in the seven months kicking each other in the nuts, and it's filmed, um, which actually is like way more. That's way more up my alley. Um, narrated by Werner Herzog. Uh, <laughs> Watch as the stupid Americans kick each other in the balls for seven months. I watched the. Um, I I don't really know why I watched this, but I watched the. Uh, Cactus Jack Triple H WWE Network like thing of their feud, and there's this bit where Triple H talks about uh, getting kicked in the nuts, and he's like, "With nut shots, sometimes you've got to pretend that you've been really hurt because it's a nut shot. So you've got a nut shot, but then sometimes you get hit in the nuts and you're really hurt because it's a nut shot." I'm like, this man has said nuts so many times and he's a 50-year-old man. And I'm like, I hope I don't become like Triple H. Anyway, this is Bam Majera and uh, this is uh, this is the WrestleWolf podcast. Yeah. Uh, Taz is on comms for this match. Uh, our Darby Allen is back. Uh, he set his leg on fire. Watch as the skateboy, as the skateboard boy sets his leg on fire. As to say, I'm willing to put myself through anything for this match. He would argue that this is pain, whereas I argue that being alive and aware is pain. This is Darby Allen telling <laughs> everyone that life is pain. <laughs> the skateboard yeah. represents life. <laughs> when when anyway, Darby we, Allen we looks into the crowd's eyes, you know. 
he, he sees some kind of adulation, but when I look into the crowd's eyes, all I see is death, murder, and pain. Um, the indifference of nature. Sorry. Um, is Cody a uh, is Cody a Middle Eastern terrorist from a nineteen eighties action movie? Because that's what the beginning of his new theme sounds like. Yes, it does. <laughs> He looks like he's kidnapped uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and he's holding yeah. her in some tall building. <laughs> I'll kill her, man. I'll kill her. Get off that jet, Cody. Anyway. <laughs> Get off my plane, Cody Rhodes. Uh, Ricky Starks is... Uh, I might be... Was Ricky Starks sunburnt? He looked it, yes. Like He was, like, glowing red. Yeah. Something had gone wrong there. This was not just your television. <laughs> right. Uh, Arn got ejected. Our friend Arn, big friendly Arn, got ejected from ringside for throwing a chair in the ring. Shouldn't have thrown a chair in the ring, you fucking cheating horseman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks get the win in a really good match. Uh, I love that they won clean. Yep. Um and, I was uh, shocked and they get... won. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of got the vibe halfway through the match that they may, but yeah, you're right. Like it's strange that. But good. I mean, I think I'm to- co- uh, God spit out a name, Damien Cody and Darby putting these guys over. It it needs to happen. Like it need. You just felt that like you can't keep building these guys up and not. If they don't win anything, it doesn't mean anything. That you can cut a thousand promos, but if they don't win any matches, it doesn't mean anything. And I mean, Darby's um, about to take a hiatus to be on like Bam's magical wedding or something. So, sorry, I'm upset about the Jackass stuff. It just bothers me that Darby's done in the past. Yes, I'm not upset about the fact that Jackass twenty years ago was popular. I like. I just don't have the energy. Still angry about it. <laughs> Still like, I just can't believe. It. I mean, was that was that when society started to crumble? I think that's when it like that's them and South Park. When people started watching those two TV shows, that's when everything was the death of the American dream. <laughs> when people started buying like Maggie May and all that rubbish, I think that was the end of. Uh... Sorry, this is this is now more inaccessible than usual because Damien. Uh... Before we started recording, I expressed a preference for Rod Stewart, and I've been trying to taunt him through the podcast for it. Despite liking Rod Stewart myself, yeah, I know that's the thing. You're that the you are willing to be a heel no matter what, even if you disagree with yourself. Um, there was some uh, argy bargy after this match. Um, <laughs> Will Hobbs comes to the rescue. He missed his cue. Right, he came out a little bit late. Uh, but anyway, he arrived. I'm a chair. big, big Will Hobbs fan. That's my little. No, I am too. That's I my just, little joke. Just, it was, <laughs> what's your little joke? I'm a big, big Will Hobbs fan because he's big Willie Hobbs, ah, right. and I'm a ah, big, yeah. big Willie Hobbs fan. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to us, guys. Um... <laughs> Check out Swan on Spotify. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So Will Hobbs comes out for the save. Uh, and then um, hits Cody with the chair. And he's now part of Team Taz. That's it. That's all you... <laughs> That's it? I thought you'd be so excited. It was cool. 
I want to see how they follow it up. Oh my god! That's right. Letdown. I was so looking forward to your reaction. I'm sorry. To this story development. I think I'm more excited than you are. Well, I thought it was cool, and I love Will Hobbs, and I love Team Taz, but also like they've been floundering a little, and I just want like a few. I just want a little bit more story, and then we'll get there. I think Brian Cage is going to be pushed into the into the championship. Um, he is so good, and I'd be so keen to see him uh, wrestle a like forty-five minute main event match with Kenny Omega. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Um, I'm becoming a a, um, a convert of Brian Cage's a lot. I mean, not that I hated him, but I just didn't really know anything about him, and I'm really, really into him. But yeah, that's the end of the show. Do we have anything else we need to add before we head off? Um. I mean, do we have anything else to add about AEW? No. Do we, like, should we, like, recommend that people listen to Eddie Current's Suppression Ring? Yes. Um, Give it a go. It's pretty good, Um, if you haven't heard it before. Oh, well, if we're just recommending random Australian bands, check out the Ice Cream Hands if you want some pure... Indie, no, not even indie pop. Sixty revival, sixties revivalist pop. And if that's not your flavour, try Ice House. Ice House, <laughs> Man of Colours. Man of Colours is a really good album. <laughs> it's a really good album. I don't care who knows it. You... I'll shout it from the rooftops. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We have, I'm going to we... go off and listen to my obsession 12 times in a row. But before I do that, I just want to thank you guys for listening, passing the show on to friends, uh, watching us on YouTube, downloading, all that kind of stuff. You can follow us on the socials, WrestleWolf on Facebook, uh, WrestleWolfPod on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our website's WrestleWolf.com. Or you can send us an email at WrestleWolfPodcast at gmail.com. Um, Throwing a lot of opinions out there tonight, you probably don't agree with them, so um, or some of them. So you know, let us know if you want um, or not. Uh, <laughs> up to you. <laughs> I'm really bad at shelling. Uh, but until next week, Pepe is dead, brother friends. In the words of Tony Khan, next week we change the face of uh, professional wrestling podcasting. Tune in. <laughs>